Welcome to Thriller Premium. Welcome to Thriller Premium. Research, reporting, industry analysis, information, and tokenomics. Welcome to Thriller Insights. Gentlemen, boys and girls, welcome back to another exciting episode of Thriller Insights. Today is August 15th, 2020, and we are talking Bitcoin retractions because everybody gets a chance to apologize and say they were wrong about Bitcoin. <laughs> no, seriously, this week has been a week of retractions in Bitcoin. That's right. We have MicroStrategy chose to invest $250 million, that's right, in Bitcoin. But what's hilarious about this is that I want to say back in 2013, MicroStrategy's CEO, Michael Saylor, who led the announcement, predicted the death of Bitcoin. That's right. He said, Bitcoin days are numbered. It seems like just a matter of time before it suffers the same fate as online gambling. That's what he tweeted. And uh, at the time, it was like $1,200, right? This was back in November of 2013. Um, since then, he hasn't really made any public comments about Bitcoin. But here recently, he said this investment <laughs> reflects our belief that Bitcoin, as the world's most widely adopted cryptocurrency, is a dependable store value and attractive investment asset with more long term appreciation potential than holding cash. That's what he said on August 11th. So. What's hilarious <laughs> is that not only did he uh, put his money where his mouth is, but he actually disclosed this here in the SEC commission filing where he purchased 21,454 Bitcoin this past Tuesday. So he actually runs a software firm worth about 1.2 billion, right? And he says that he fears the weakened fiat currencies post-COVID and, of course, global quantitative easing measures and political and economic uncertainty have all attributed to Bitcoin being a global acceptance, brand-recognized, ecosystem vehicle, network-dominant, architecturally sound, technical utility and community ethos, you know, has it all. He says that he sees it as a long-term store of value. And so he quickly allocated capital and he promised his shareholders that MicroStrategy would buy back 250 million in stock and invest an additional 250 million in go to Bitcoin over the next 12 months. So he's not a dumb guy. <laughs> Just because he said dumb things in 2013, He's not a dumb guy. Take a listen as he talks about the future of where not only technology is headed, but how global commerce and global dependencies on some of these cloud platforms really depend on one key thing, education. When you put together the idea of objective credentials with the idea of globalization, with the idea of liquid, you know, uh, cross-border flows of labor, with the rise of big tech, 
it really means that somebody in Nigeria can get their AWS certificate and potentially be just as employable as somebody in Manhattan. And maybe I want them more. Um, and that, uh, what does that mean? Well, that means that uh, an AWS or Azure or the like certification is becoming more important than a Harvard or a Yale degree. Because I can tell you, like, in my uh, meetings, when I sit, when we sit around and talk, what I hear is, well, we need 50 cloud engineers. We need 30 of these people. We need 25 of these people. We need 50 of these. There's no one that ever sits in a meeting with me and says, we need five more Harvard grads. We need 25 Yale grads. Like, nobody ever asks for a credential by the name of a, of a traditional institution. They're wanting a tech capability, or it is either a basic or more likely it's an advanced certification. So that is driving, and you know, uh, it's going to ripple through everything, right? Because the numbers we're talking about are, they're not tens of thousands, they might be hundreds of thousands, but they're really likely millions and millions and millions of uh, people being infected and going to tens of millions and then hundreds of millions. And uh, the, um, the motive uh, or the motor on this becomes uh, a company like Cognizant with 250,000 knowledge workers about to hire 150,000 more. You know, <laughs> they're, uh, they're really wanting to go at this in a, in a machine-like way. So, you know, what have we done? Uh, it's driven us to uh, define our roles much more precisely. Like now, uh, we're, all the companies that are successful, they're building software that's reusable and then building roles and certificates uh, that, that are essential for the ecosystem so that you can train and certify practitioners to use those tools. And then you want to build your own ecosystem up. And uh, after you've defined the roles, you can define the credentials, then you can issue the credentials, then you can issue them publicly. And, uh, and then you end up with you know, 10,000 microstrategy architects or 50,000 hyperintelligence engineers. Um, the, the first order observation I have is that if you've got a product or a service offering like that that you can automate and then you can uh, massively scale up, uh, the creation of that talent, then you can grow and you can prosper. If you, if you can't, then you just keep getting squeezed every single year by someone else that is. Uh, the second order observation I have is like, if I think about every internal project at my company, like everything, when we sit about and we talk about what are we going to do to make 2020 better than 2019 or 2021 better, if you define the word hope, every, every hopeful project consists of, in essence, the relentless drive to organize and automate using some software tool. We're either trying to build software faster or writing specifications in a more orderly uh, automated way or documentation or courses or certifications, managing projects, opportunities, contracts, quotes, marketing campaigns, schedules, any miscellaneous activity, any purchase, any hire decision, any promotion decision, any transfer decision, they're all just many software projects using a tool. It's either a, 
a compiler, it's GitHub, or it's Salesforce, or it's Workday, or it's MicroStrategy, but invariably we're building something to build something else in order to create 10,000 of the something so that we can do 100,000 so we can squeeze something down from taking 47 minutes to 4 minutes to 40 seconds to 4 seconds to 0.4 seconds till we get to the point where we can do 27,000 of them in 0.4 seconds, right? And, and the only way you do that is just relentlessly model, test, machine, install, deploy, pilot, rebuild. If you're not manufacturing an outcome, then you just literally can't keep up in the modern world because your competition is some enterprise that is manufacturing an outcome. So I guess that uh, takes me to my closing thoughts. Um, it seems pretty obvious uh, that if you want to do a good thing for the world, it's undebatable that if we can increase the level of education everywhere on the planet, and whatever it is, if, if you don't have a high school degree, get you on. If you don't have a college degree, get you on. If you don't have uh, a master's or a technical skill, get you on. If, if we can create PhDs, create PhDs. We need to create more, and we need to do it cheaper. And in the limit where we can offer any type of education you might want at the cost of zero. And by, and by the way, I, I can't see any reason why we shouldn't get there. Because the cost to provide all, all the critical types of education has got to be 1% of what we're spending right now on, on similar things or irrelevant things. So, and the cost of the compute power is just falling exponentially. Uh, and will continue to fall exponentially. So it's obvious to me that he truly understands where we're headed, right? Uh, I can understand now why he sees the need for Bitcoin and, and digital money. Uh, it's clear, it's obvious to me. Um, he's exactly right on all those points that he made about Azure and AWS. Uh, this year, right after here, this week, we're going to release the Bitcoin audiobook. Uh, and after that, it's back to the books for me. <laughs> I'm going to have to start studying for my next certification uh, and try to knock that out before the end of the year. And that's a yearly thing that I do. It's because this the job that I have, my day job, it's, it's just constantly moving in that direction. And there's just there's constant iteration in the technology space that you have to you know, recertify on or you have to constantly be learning. Uh, it never stops. It's just exactly like uh, crypto, but crypto is like 20 times faster. <laughs> but uh, anyway, so it's good to have you on board, Michael. Welcome to the Bitcoin train. Get on board. <laughs> We're only going up. And the next person who retracted some Bitcoin statements from a few years ago was Dave Portner. Poitney. Poitner <laughs> of Barstool Sports. He claimed on Twitter yesterday that he had bought at least one million worth of Bitcoin and he had the Winklevoss twins to help him. That's right, our favorite twinsies. Um, it was an interesting video that he made. Uh, it's on YouTube, it's all over the place. But uh, it, yeah, just, you know what? Actually, let me just play it for you so you can listen to it. It's hilarious. And this is my day trading ship, which we just turned green <laughs> after getting smushed. For the background, this is, the DD, this is Frankie, by the way. Hey, Frankie. We, 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 that was brilliant. <laughs> 
That's some Winklevoss shit right there. So the background, I've been doing the day trading. It's like my green hammer death to get things like green, turn the stock right, market right. good. And the crypto people are like in my ass, being like, you got to do crypto, get out of the day trade, do crypto, crypto, crypto. And that's how we started talking right. a little bit. So, all right. Give me the background. I, have you heard my crypto ramp from like three or four years We've ago? We've seen at least one. So, I am a Bitcoin investor. I don't even know what a Bitcoin is. You like mine Bitcoins on the ground on the internet. You literally mine for them online. Like, and then one pops out of the internet like oil, like all of a sudden on the internet, like if you have enough power. At the time I did it, I had to put in this wild password. I got a little keychain. You had to hide the keychain. If you forget the keychain, it's like lost forever. So I really didn't understand it. I still don't understand it. I don't like, people say you can mine for it. I don't understand what yeah, that means. Yeah, don't worry about that. Yeah, don't worry about Is that, that done? No, people mine, but you can buy Bitcoin. You can be a part of it without mining. So, Nothing all right. I have so many questions on and, it. And by the way, like we've made Gemini easy as your brokerage account. So, so this is like, this would be my sort of like E-Trade e yeah. or... You, you, you create an account, you wire in money, and you buy Bitcoin just like you buy a share of Apple, and it appears in your account. I mean, and give me the background of Bitcoin, Satachi's the guy who like, which I don't try, this is a mythical man who invented this. He, she, it, they, mythical, yeah. So is it a real person? Uh, it, I think so, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> but, but look, it's not about a person. The There's a source code, so it speaks for itself. We think of Bitcoin like internet gold. So the same qualities that make gold valuable, yep. the fact that it's scarce, uh, Bitcoin's actually fixed in value, but it's digital, it lives on the internet. So if you think of like why gold's interesting, uh, Bitcoin is gold for the internet. Did I read you guys own like 1% of all the world's Bitcoin? You read that, yeah. Is that true? Yeah. All right. I understand. Yeah. You have a set number of bitcoins. Yeah. What are people talking about when they're mining the internet? That to me makes like the, the what does so, that mean? So How do you mine the, the internet for bitcoins? The blockchain is like the scorecard, right? Of who or, owns or the, what? the scoreboard like of the of, of like it's like a ledger. of who a record of who owns what. This is the ledger of the Bitcoin network. And then miners are like the referees of the network, and they enforce. They make sure you don't spend Bitcoin that you don't have. Or the people don't print more Bitcoin, and they're basically right. computers, and they're they're the referees of that. And they do. I mean, you guys understand, like that, that, like what you just said sounds like I don't know what's that game is like, Harry Potter when they're running around with like refs and like yeah, who are the computers are the referees to make sure you don't like who are the they solve these the complex math problems? It's like solving a Rubik's cube, and the first miner to do that every ten minutes gets paid in new Bitcoin. I've heard people be like Dave just. Yeah, and he pretty much bought, I want to say like six figures, no, no, seven figures of Bitcoin. And uh, towards the end, <laughs> the Winklevoss twins convinced him to buy Link, <laughs> which is probably why I shot out to $18 briefly uh, yesterday. So, uh, yeah, I mean, way to go, dude. <laughs> I think ultimately, though, I think I think he's going to get his mass following that he has. The guy has millions of followers, so he's definitely getting his millions of followers on the Bitcoin train. He's literally tweeting out. I think Elon Musk tweeted back at him. There's this is another person who was heavily against Bitcoin, you know, a few years ago and was making fun of it. 
And now he's on the Bitcoin train along with Michael. <laughs> so that's what I'm saying. This is what happens. We even saw do we even saw uh, was it Goldman Sachs earlier this year uh, deny Bitcoin <laughs> in May and then retract that statement here in, in, in like what July. So this is going to happen. It's going to happen even more rampant here because people don't want to look like dumbasses, quite frankly. <laughs> they don't want to look like they just missed the train on this. Everybody wants to look smart. So they want to they want to act as 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 smart as they can and say that Bitcoin is the future. Um, so watch for a lot more people to jump on this Bitcoin train and watch for Bitcoin to accumulate new money. OK, with that. Let's get into coin analysis. This is a, 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 a segment that we have where everything I see in here is uh, verifiably factual and uh, go ahead and put my name on it. <laughs> and that just basically means you can hold me accountable for what I say in this segment. Right. Um, so I want to talk about Bitcoin and I want to talk about where I see this this price going at the end of the year. Um, and I know at the beginning of the year, I said, you know, I'd, I'd be shocked if we can get to 10K. I was very bearish in the beginning of the year and I was trying to be as conservative as possible. I think I said 10K at the beginning of January. Um, and then I even, you know, kind of retracted that uh, towards, you know, probably, you know, during COVID and post COVID. I said, you know what, it's going to make it 13. I felt pretty accurate at 13, even at the um even at the halving, I was like, it's still going to be 13. Um, and I'm, I'm ready now to kind of um, change that one more time, because that's one thing I do. I, I am not a person that's going to, you know, live and die by the sword. If something changes, if I see something different, then you're going to get my opinion on it. Um, I think right now, I think trading shot has been entirely accurate these past two years. <laughs> I can't think of another person who's, you know, who's like this person. I don't know. Um, but I will say, though, he's predicting 17K. And I'm going to go ahead and say he's he's probably exactly right on that. Uh, everything that he's showing here on the chart, and I'll put a link to the show notes. Um, we are probably going to get to the 17K range. And I'll, I'll give you two reasons why. There's a lot of people that, that take a look at Bitcoin, but they take a look at Bitcoin for the many wrong reasons. Uh, and this is where I like to say, like... I'm so glad I don't <laughs> listen to too many people and, and actually take their advice. Uh, I'm glad I, I, you know, I dance to my own drum, I guess. Um, if you look back here in uh, 2016, I've been looking a lot at the coin market cap, total total market cap for Bitcoin, for, for all altcoins, including Ethereum. And I've kind of stumbled onto something that I feel like, you know, it, it definitely is going to inform us going forward. But you can kind of see that 
during that time, there was a lot of kind of hesitation in, in 2016 leading into 2017. And that's kind of where I said we were, we're exactly at, you know, there's so many similarities in 2016 that I see here in 2020. Uh, I can just name so many, but you know, for the sake of this segment, I will just say, take my word for it. There's so many similarities in, in 2020 that remind me of 2016. Um, one of those things is the 12 billion dollar coin market cap in 2016. It was one of those that we peaked here in July of 2016, where we got 12 billion, then we got 13 billion. And then it kind of just went back down following August. And then in September, October, we went back to 13 billion and then steadily climbed up to 13, 14 billion, 16 billion on December 25th, up to 21 billion in the beginning of January, like first, second, third, and then a crash back down to 17 billion uh, by uh, middle of January. And so I think we're gonna see similar things here for, for, for Bitcoin and for the total market cap. What's interesting about these days is that we, that kind of range, that $12 billion range that we saw in 2016 reminds me a lot of the $300 billion range that we see now it's one of those that we don't really reach very often, but when we do reach it, it's very like, oh wow, we got to 300 billion. We even did a show because I, I felt like that was that important at the time. But if you look, if you look back here in 2017, when we got to 300 billion, it was, gosh, it was November 25th, 2017. And then we went from 300 billion all the way to like 500 billion in a matter of like, just like, 10 days. And then from there, we went parabolic up to 800 billion, 848 to be exact. Then we crashed back down. But it wasn't until it wasn't until we reached that major bottom in 2018 in March, where we were like at that 253. And a lot of us were kind of just like wondering, like, what was going to happen at that point? We knew there was going to be a pump into consensus, but we didn't know like how. Right. And you can go back and listen to our episodes where we were talking about that. <laughs> it's crazy how like time flies. But at that time, I remember thinking like, okay, well, will we get to 300 billion? And so sure enough, come April, we shot above 300 billion, the, like the very front of April, like April 11th, 10th, somewhere around there, we shot above 300 billion. We even peaked to like 459 billion in May. And then we crashed back down. And we never, we never got back above 300 million until almost, gosh, a year later, like a year and a half later. And that was back in last year, right? So back last year in June, we had that big old Facebook thing debacle. Remember that in Congress? Yeah, that, that shot at above 300 billion briefly in June. And then we shot above to like 333 billion and then from there, we went back down and we really didn't get retest 300 billion again for total market cap until February of this year. And then in February of this year, it was looking great. <laughs> you remember, it was awesome. It was looking amazing. <laughs> but we kind of had a pre-pump before we had that dump right in March. And that kind of dropped everything. We had that pump to 300 billion. We got scared. COVID came out and then boom, everything dropped. And then so here recently, um, July, 
we're doing the same thing again. July 25th, we hit 300 billion. We do that show, Thriller Late Night, talk about it, see how important it is. And we're off to the races again. But we're not making those huge strides that we did in 2017 because it's very much exactly like it was when we hit 12, 13 billion back in 2016. So what I'm trying to say is I was I was honestly thinking that we were going to see a major dip here in September, or August. I don't I don't fancy that idea anymore. I think we're going to see a steadily increase and I think we're going to see a rapid increase come late October into November and then December is just going to go parabolic within you know a short time frame i'm talking like probably the 25th of december to like the third or the 7th of january and then you're going to see a major dump um that's kind of what i'm thinking now um and it really took me a lot of time to really come to that conclusion but i think for the rest of the year i'm, I'm feeling pretty bullish um i was definitely feeling bearish you know because we were stuck in that range but some of the and like this chart that uh, trading shot shows um, very accurately lines up with what the coin market cap is going to look like later in the year. Um, so I think it's safe to say, and this is exactly you can hold me accountable to this, but I think it's safe to say that we are going to be in this kind of 12K you know, 13K range here for August. Uh, we might even go and touch 10.8 in September. I don't think that's a major thing at all. Um, but we're going to be this 12K, 11.5 range for a little bit. But come, you know, October, we're going to get really, we're going to move up really, really fast. We're going to be at 400 billion. I mean, today, for example, which was surprising, not a lot of people were talking about it. But we were at 380 billion. It's the highest we've gotten to. Um, you're seeing a lot of stuff being locked into DeFi, Bitcoin, ETH, especially. You're seeing a lot of uh, DeFi, um, I guess you can say tokens taking off. You know, some of them very reminiscent of ICOs in 2016 and 2017. That's why I say it's, it's, and you know, a lot of this stuff, I told you guys way ahead of time before everybody else started talking about it. Uh, now you start hearing people <laughs> say, oh, DeFi's are just DeFi's just exactly like ICOs. I, I told you guys that back in February, March, we were going to have DeFi and it was going to be very much like ICOs. You're going to have some good ones. You're going to have some scam ones. You're going to have some ones that were just looking at pump and dump. And that's exactly what we're seeing here. And I wouldn't be surprised if the SEC comes in knocking next year on DeFi's door to kind of regulate it. Right. There's a lot of this stuff that is decentralized to a point right a lot of this stuff can get turned off i think few people realize how how much of this infrastructure on ethereum is actually hosted on aws <laughs> um, so what i'm trying to say is this is all bullish for bitcoin all roads lead back to bitcoin i i honestly believe that is the thesis going forward until I change my mind, I'm not going to move away from that. But all roads lead back to Bitcoin. And to me, right now, 17K seems like a very conservative, but very hittable target for us. Um, I would love to see 20K, but I think I think by the end of 2020, we're going to see 17K. Now, does that mean we get to 20K, you know, July or January 3rd? I'm not saying that's out of the room of possibility either, you know. 
I'm not saying that's out of the realm of possibility. I wouldn't even be surprised if we get to January 3rd, January 7th, and we're at 21, 22K, and then we fall back down to 15K, and then proceed to go right back up, you know, a few days later, you know, towards the end of January. Like, that would not surprise me. 2021 is going to be crazy. Um, And this is all pending, and I should say this, this is all pending, you know, another pandemic or something or something crazy like aliens land on earth right <laughs> something like that all bets are off i think i should just throw that in there because you never know <laughs> um but that's what i'm trying to say i'm saying this is the likely scenario where i believe everything's headed and um right now is still a great opportunity like myself we've seen tons of gains here we're gonna talk a lot about that here in future predictions but um, most of those gains that I have made, I've put back into Bitcoin at this point. Um, I don't I don't see a need to hold it in that set token for the time being. Um, this is going to be a very bullish year coming up in 2021. And we're coming up on very bullish months. Um, all these people making uh, re- retract retracting their statements of Bitcoin earlier is is a tell for what's coming. Um, we have yet to see the full unleash <laughs> unleash of a back yet, right? Um, so there, there's a lot more coming ahead, PayPal, you know. So I, I wouldn't I wouldn't I wouldn't bet against Bitcoin right now, quite honestly. Okay, with that, let's get into future predictions. All right. So today in future predictions, we are mainly talking about how Carr has been right time and time again. <laughs> no, seriously. Uh, so honestly, I've been getting a lot of emails from people thanking me for some of the picks that we do uh, on the show. And a lot of them are extremely happy with uh, what we've been doing here. And I appreciate every single one of you. Like my job is literally to give you the most up to date information that I know, um, most up to date information that I can scour, that I can bring to you, um, do all that research. So that way you can just kind of sit back, you know, listen to the podcast, listen to what I'm saying, go out, verify a few things, see if it's actually true. Um, and then make your informed decision. That's all we ever try to do on the show. Uh, Future Predictions has always been a segment where I say, don't take my advice. <laughs> I really say that because there's some of these are gambles. Um, but looks like we've been right um, more times than not in these segments, which is kind of surprising. So today we're going to kind of go through those because we've been doing these uh, these premium shows for going on almost... A year and a half at this point so it's uh, feels pretty good knowing that we have some some we're batting a really good average right um so the first one i want to bring up is ethereum because in the very first season of these premium episodes you know i used to put ethereum in future predictions yeah i used to be one of those where i would say it was risky it wasn't uh it wasn't a sure bet yet like i feel now ethereum is 
So I think at the time we were talking about Ethereum, it was like $80, even $125, you know, at, at its at its peak, right? $140. Uh, right now it's at $438. I mean, um, some of these things, you know, I, I, I tell you all because I, I feel like, you know, you're going to go out there and do the research. And we even created a whole episode on why Ethereum has value. Um, I know there's a lot of talk right now going on about the uh, circulating supply of ETH. To me, when a when it is a bull run and there is a tremendous amount of money behind a particular token, and on top of that, you have very, uh, I should say, very opinionated people on both sides talking back and forth, but no one actually agreeing on anything. I think in those situations, you kind of have to just play the play the markets as where they see them. It's one of the main reasons why Chainlink has gone up despite all the FUD. Uh, there's some things in this in this space you can't explain, right? Um, there's some things in this space that I have in the past tried to fight and said that is just idiotic. <laughs> that is bananas. Why is that token going up? It makes no sense. Have you seen the project? Have you seen the team? And I've, I've, I've used to do that all the time in the early days and I would fight it and I would not invest in it because I thought it was just, you know, idiotic. Um, and then it would go up 10, 20 X and I would miss out and be <laughs> just upset. Right. And so I come to realize when it comes to that kind of stuff, you really can't fight it in the space. You either have to ignore it or roll with it. Um, right now, Ethereum's, I wouldn't say it's in that space, but it's starting to teeter into that space. I think um, I think they're going to have to address the, the circulating supply at some point. Um, and I think that's going to be a thing going forward. But right now, in the midst of a bull run, in the midst of this kind of big rise that we're going to see here in 2021, uh, it's not going to affect the price at all. Uh, even if there was a major catastrophe where they had to roll back the chain, it would probably affect it in the interim, but they would be able to bounce back. Um, if, if it was a if it was a bear market, right? If we were in the if th- this had come out in the in the bear market, then I would be like, okay, yes, <laughs> this is going to be a major issue. Yeah, we need we need to we need to discuss this. But right now, it's kind of like kind of have to roll with it, unfortunately, right? So anyway, I didn't mean to sidetrack, but I want to keep you guys up to date on what was going on with that. But uh, buy-in for this, you know, I was saying eighty dollars back in the day. Of course, it's a four thirty-eight, and I've even said in the future, I think I think we're going to see ETH, you know, twenty twenty-one. I think we're going to see it in the four to seven K range. I'm not joking about that. I really think we're going to see it in the four to seven K range. I know it sounds crazy. Yeah, I don't believe it either, but um, I, I do believe it. <laughs> I wouldn't, I wouldn't, it wouldn't have come out of my mouth if I didn't believe it. No, but I do think it's going to be in the four to seven k range per ETH. Yeah, at the peak. Um, okay, next one was zero X, and I've been talking about zero X for years. Um, we're starting to see zero X take off now, and we're starting to see it become its true value because it's been underpriced for quite some time. Right now, I, I think here last week I had said, you know, this is a good buy-in at 38, 39 cents. Right now we're at 52, creeping up on 53 cents. I think here in the short-term interim, by the end of the year, we're gonna be at 80 cents for zero X, possibly a dollar, but that's gonna happen. Um, I think here next year during a bull run, we have potential to see four to $5. 
Uh, I wouldn't I wouldn't be surprised if we saw eight or even ten per per zero X. Yes, this is this is where when you look at the infrastructure that creates Ethereum, uh, Matcha is now a big part of that. But zero X is that key piece of infrastructure holding up Ethereum. So that's where when you really understand the space on a uh, technical level, you can really make some really informed decisions and don't have to worry about if, if a token has or if a token is going to get value or not, or if are people going to see the value in it? Because you already looked at the technical aspects of it. You know how important it is, right? Whether people see it yet or not, it's just going to take them to catch up, right? And a perfect example of that is Loopring, right? Loopring, I told you guys about it at seven cents. If you look at the technical aspects of it, if you look at the team behind it, if you look at everything, <laughs> you can quickly realize like, okay, this is going to be something that's going to be worth holding here into the bull run. Right now it's at 19, 20 cents. Um, so if, if you've, if you took my advice on it, you've already seen 2X, you know, 2.3X, whatever it is. But um, yeah, this is, this is what I'm telling you. Uh, you can skate to where the puck is, or you can kind of wait around for the puck to show up. And I, I tend to skate to where the puck's going to be, right? Um, and, and this is exactly where knowing how to read a technical white paper and understanding the team, understanding how, you know, ZK Snarks is going to roll up and batch transactions on its decks and how that's going to be cross-chain across multiple blockchains. It's... It's going to be freaking baller, man. <laughs> like, wait until they release a mobile app. Then it's really going to spike up in value, you know? So, yeah, Loopring's another one. Um, even Bancor, you know, I've been really against Bancor for a really long time. Uh, but even with even with that, I knew the potential that it could have. It was at $0.80. Cents. Now it's at $2.20. Told you guys back on, you know, when it was $0.80. Cents. Yeah, you could have saw some really nice returns on that. Um, another one is KNC, you know, Kyber. It's at $1.95 right now. You know, I was telling you guys about it when it was at 40 cents. Um, it's this is this is one where it's like, man, it's so it was so painfully obvious, <laughs> and so many people just missed on it, right? And I informed you guys about it way in advance about it. So, you know, Kyber is another one where if you really look at the technical documentation on it, it's a key piece of infrastructure on Ethereum. Loopring is going to possibly be a key piece of infrastructure going forward, especially during the bull run. Right. It's going to see tremendous volume once they release a mobile app. Um, Give them time. It'll 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 really rise in price. Um, Another one that I really even went out and like made a special episode for. Um, I've talked about it several times. I've received tons of emails on it all the time, wondering where it was going to go. Uh, we talked about it on Telegram. AirSwap, right? It's at 17 cents. It pumped to 20 cents this week. I told you guys about it when it was at six cents. <laughs> so, <laughs> I mean, these are things that, you know, when you look at the technical aspects of a project and you understand the technologies and you understand what makes Ethereum um go up in value, understand the social graph behind it, and you understand the volume that's being done on these protocols, you can start anticipating where this is going to see what next token that has the most potential has the has a possibility of transacting uh, the most amount of uh, accrual value, 
and then air swap was an obvious one and there's a lot of us that were like wondering well when is it going to do it like it was just you have to be patient right i think people were going to slowly start to recognize that this token had tremendous value but people weren't seeing it yet uh just like zero x people just don't see the the value in it but it's undervalued um air swap at six cents was tremendously undervalued right now it's at 20 cents that seems more like it probably even more um, a lot of these protocol tokens are going to be in the dollar two dollar range here um, by by next year. So, um, you know, the last one that I think we I honestly think we were late on. I think we caught like the third or fourth wave on this. But there's some people that were talking about Chainlink in 2018. And I, for whatever reason, I just was not paying attention to that, you know. Maybe it was just the bear market that got best of me <laughs> where I was just looking at Bitcoin. I actually I know it was the bear market that got the best of me. But Chainlink was one where, you know, when we finally when we finally gave in was when it was at two dollars and forty five cents. And we saw it pump from, you know, it was like eighty eight cents to like a dollar twenty five. And then it crashed back down post covid. And and even then I was like, you know what, this is probably where I should get in. And I even said it on the podcast, like, this is Chainlink is one. There's things that you can fight and there's thing that you, things that you can't fight. <laughs> and I even told you guys, I was like, Chainlink is one. You just want to have a bag of it because you don't know what it's going to do. But there's tremendous momentum behind it. There's memes. <laughs> they, they, they have the memes, the power of the memes. You'd be surprised. That's a, that's a really it's a really key, key thing these days, believe it or not. I know. <laughs> I know, but it's crypto. Um, so this one shot up to $17, $18 here a, a day ago. Um, we got in at $2.45. Um, I actually took out my original investment already. I was like, you know what? <laughs> Once it got to 18 I was like, you know what, car? Let's go ahead and take out your original investment. Now I'm just playing with house money. I'm going to I'm I'm still anticipating you know, $20 here. I wouldn't be surprised at the end of the weekend, quite honestly, with the way things been going. But if it crashes back down to 10, $12, I'm fine with it. That's fine. Do I think it's going to have another, another run? I do think so. I think this is one of those that you're going to want to hold until the end of the bull run, because quite honestly, I think it's, it's, it's going to catch fire again. Um, it's very reminiscent of another blue token in 2016 and 2017. Um, but I will say, though, Chainlink, um, it's this year's, you know, best token. I mean, if there was if there was an award ceremony that which is going to give you the most amount of value for the least amount of, of time and, and, and money, it's going to be Chainlink. Um Right now at $17, $18, I don't think it's a good buy-in time right now, personally. I would I would wait until it falls back down because it will fall down. Um, I think once we get here to this $20 range, I, I'm anticipating, and this is what I've been talking about, you know, it wouldn't shock me to see it at $28, $30. Man, it'd be amazing. <laughs> but that wouldn't shock me if we see that by the end of the year. Um, but that's kind of what I'm waiting for on the rest of that. If it gets to that range, I'll probably pull the trigger and, and sell most of it. And like I said, probably leave a hundred or so just for giggles <laughs> into the bull run and see what that turns into. Some people are projecting some crazy scenarios. Um, but I think 
a lot of the time when I when I give you these tokens, I expect y'all to like, you know, go out there and do the research on it. Maybe um, look at the links that I provide, um, but really try to understand why it has value. And I, I, I try to do my best to explain it. But um, most of these have been winners, right? And I think we've had we've had some losers, right? Well, actually, have we had some losers? I'm trying to think if we had any losers here. I can't think of any off the top of my head. You guys email me. Let me know if I had any losers. I can't think of any at the time right now. But I mean, most of these, once you see them and you see where we where we got in and, and what we're selling them for, it's you're realizing like, man, these these have accrued a lot of money, uh, and and that's exactly what we're doing here, like. I'm just trying to create more Bitcoin, right? And this month, I would say from June to August, my portfolio has nearly tripled uh, in value. Um, and that's because a lot of these these alts are going up and I'm moving over to Bitcoin and Bitcoin's going up, right? So th this is a really great time. <laughs> Man, it's so great. I, ca I can't even imagine what next year is going to look like. So, yeah, I just want to give you guys kind of an update on, on in future predictions, what we've been doing and the amount of gains we've been seeing here. And gosh, man, it's, it's looking pretty good. And like I said, there probably won't be a lot of these left, but I definitely will, you know, let you know what I see happening here. I'm, I'm kind of holding out right now. Technically, right now, I'm actually looking at zero X to go to 80 cents. I'm like really anticipating it 60 to 80 cents somewhere in that range and I'm gonna probably pull trigger and then you move that over to Bitcoin, let the rest ride. Cause there's just so much, so much gains happening. Uh, it's, it's like the market's finally catching up on what has um, technical value, right? It's like people are waking up. They're, it's like, it's almost like the, yeah, like you got like venture money coming back in or something. It's strange. It's right 380 billion market cap. Anyways, that's all I got. It's been a really easy going week for Bitcoin and crypto. Um, not a lot has has kind of transpired, um, but you can kind of feel this momentum headed in the right direction. And like I said, I, th I think we're we're looking pretty good right now, just as long as nothing bad happens <laughs> in the world. Right. I feel like that's the major kind of thing that's going to be the catalyst of where we go up or down and it's kind of sucks <laughs> why we have so much turmoil but you know with these gains that we've been seeing here in june and july and august you got to make sure you're you're capitalizing on this stuff right make sure you're putting it back into bitcoin or finding another way to store that value because as this dollar continues to inflate it's just gonna seriously just kill a lot of of what you know value it has left, uh, and so Bitcoin can store that, can have that, and hopefully make it out alive from it.